and said, Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody tonight. And hello to everyone online. God bless you. Good to, good to see folks out. Good to, to be able to talk to you and shake your hand. Good to have, good to have Joe back with us. Amen. And um, had a great uh, rehearsal this afternoon. Got some uh, songs practiced for the future with the mixed vocal ensemble. So it's sounding good, looking good, doing great. Um, and we're looking forward to that as well. If you haven't got your days of praise for June, July, and August, go ahead and pick yours up. As many as you can use, they're all absolutely free. Don't forget, next Sunday is Father's Day. All the men 18 years of age and up are going to receive a very special gift from the church. We're going to honor the dads, and in memory of or in honor of dad, we're going to give a special gift for Bibles to go around the world, and I hope that you will. $8 puts a hardback Bible in the hands of a third world Christian. So looking forward to that as well. We have our sign-up boards for our 4th of July picnic. It'll be on Tuesday, 4th of July. Sign up for side dish, salad, and dessert. And we will provide the main course, hamburger, hot dog. It's from 10 o'clock until 2 o'clock. And uh, please sign the second page so we know that we've got some people to help us out with the activities and with the setup and the cleanup and the serving and so forth. Thank you so much for that. If you didn't get your bulletin, Summer Opportunities to Serve Jesus and others. Go ahead and get yours in the back. You that are online, scroll down and, and just tap the right spot, and you've got it. You absolutely have it there. It's going to be a great week this week. Be out on Wednesday evening at 7.30. We're in 2 Corinthians, and we're finishing up, I think, chapter 3. And so we're moving right along in the Word of God, verse by verse. That's Wednesday night, 7.30. Between now and then, go online and uh, subscribe and tap on for devotions, new songs, uh, uh, short, brief clips, and some of those are, they're not going viral, but they, they're picking up big numbers of hits. And uh, those of you that still need to finish up your Bible Institute 17th year, uh, 1701 through 1706 are up there online. I can send you the links if you don't have them handy or can't get to them. We'll make sure everybody has, we're going to have a record number of graduates this year. Praise the Lord. We, we're matriculating uh, over 220 students and uh, 60 or 70 of them are going to graduate. So praise God for that. Uh, we are seeing God do some wonderful things here. And uh, in these uh, vital days, uh, we want to think about God's promises and wait upon God's promises. We read, wait on the Lord. And what does that mean? Hopefully, when you leave tonight, you'll be able to understand it and explain it to others. Uh, let's go back in the Psalms to the 27th Psalm right now. We've looked at the 62nd. We've looked at Isaiah 40, 31. But I want to go back to the 27th Psalm in verse number 14. There it says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So we're going to wait on the Lord. What does that mean, to wait on the Lord? To wait on the Lord. There are some people who have come up with some wrong ideas. And uh, some folks are perhaps a little uh, perplexed, confused about the nature of God and how He works. It all comes back to who God is and, and how He does things. He does things according to His perfect will. 
And so we, we, don't, um, we don't get the whole package uh, of, of our timing and our personal fleshly desires uh, in the will of God. What we get is we get frustrated unless we submit to God. Because we're wired the way we are, we need to, to stop pressing, pushing. We never stop praying. We never stop expecting, hoping. But we, we stop the portion that says, if God doesn't do what I want Him to, how I want Him to, when I want Him to, I'm going to lose faith in Him. We need to, to stop that nonsense because that's what creates uh, so much confusion and so much difficulty uh, for people who need to be uh, in absolute submission to every aspect of God's will. If you have prayed for something and have not yet received the answer, then it's coming down to this. It's not God's timing yet, and you need to be patient. And He will either give it according to His will in His time, or He will tell you no and change your prayer. And if you're sensitive to the will of God in that respect, you're going to understand that accepting, submitting, the, the, the whole act of submitting to the will of God, which is contrary to your own fleshly will, is such a positive thing because it will keep you from self-destruction. It will keep you from destroying yourself on the rocks when God knows what's best and we might not. So this is important for us to get tonight. God is working on you and me. Uh, I think of the old uh, Hemphill song, He's Still Working on Me, to make me what I ought to be. Uh, he's working off the rough edges. He's doing this through trials, difficulties, challenges, and our having to come to terms with God's timing. God's will, in God's way, in God's time. Come on, amen. That's what it needs to be. It needs to be just that way. So in the Psalms, when it says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage. Now, courage is the opposite of discourage. Discourage is the opposite of courage. A person who is discouraged has lost every connection to that gift that God gives us, where He provides for us the strength, the confidence that we need to continue on. But when people say, oh, you know, just chuck it, you know, because I'm not getting what, it's just frustrating. I'm not seeing what I want. I'm not getting the answer I want. We could go over and over again the many, many cases, too numerous to even list, where God answers, but He answers in His own special way, in His own time, and, uh, and it's not necessarily on our schedule. It may be after our lifetime. God may answer a prayer by our death or following our death. And, of course, when we're on the other side, I, I have no idea how the mechanics of that works. I believe that people that are headed up there that you bump into in heaven, if you bump into people in heaven, I don't know if you bump into them or not, but uh, however that works in heaven, uh, in that, that spiritual realm, that uh, you might get some information about what's going on since, you know, the last person made it up. And, um, and, and now you, you know a little bit more and you're putting the pieces together. I don't know that there's a window on the bottom of heaven where people look out and why would they want to? But I do know this, that God's will for us on earth 
is dependent upon our coming to terms with wait on the Lord. Now what it does not mean, it does not mean to be inactive. There are people who will use this command, this exhortation to wait on the Lord as an excuse for being lazy, for not doing anything. And that absolutely has nothing to do with waiting on the Lord. Waiting is really active because we are participating in the work or the specific service that He desires to accomplish through us while we're waiting on Him for whatever answer that we're waiting. We need to be busy about our Father's business. We need to occupy until Jesus comes for us. We need to find our task for that day and in the great reserves and resources of God, draw our strength and do it gladly as we talked about this morning. Serve the Lord with gladness. We are to have a servant's heart, servant's hands and feet and be subject to whatever the master says. And uh, the king's business desires haste. So we need to be doing what God wants us to do. You say, well, how is it that I work and work hard and have a, a diligent work ethic and, uh, and yet God doesn't answer my prayer? That's not fair. God knows better than you and I what needs to be answered when and what order and how soon and so forth. And so we are to stay busy. It's, it's not like, well, until God answers it, I'm just going to prop my feet up here and wait on the Lord. That's not waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is leaving it to God to answer in His time, in His way. But stay busy for the Lord in the meantime. Whether you and I think it's fair or not has nothing whatsoever to do with it. It's just a matter of, of our coming to terms with God's uh, will that may not be on our schedule. All right, so we've, we've seen so many places. If you start tracking them down, you're going to find so many places like that. I could give you an example. Recently, um, Russell Anderson uh, went to be with the Lord. I don't know if you knew that, but he died back in April. And Russell Anderson and I were acquainted. He was perhaps one of the richest Christians uh, in the world. Uh, he started out, uh, came from a, uh, a mining background down in Kentucky, down in the coal mines, and um, uh, moved up to, uh, I believe it was Cincinnati area or, or somewhere up in the north and uh, learned how to be a drywall hanger and uh, did that. And he built uh, and redid and, and refurbished and, and uh, eventually got wealthy, uh, had some, uh, uh, some large projects, large high-rises and so forth in places like Detroit and, and the suburbs and uh, became very wealthy. Well, he was a born-again Christian, and he went to hear some of the old-timers from the Sword of the Lord, and he said, man, I, I need to learn how to do what they do. He became a soul winner. Russell Anderson was responsible for several dozen Bible colleges being started and paid for around the world, uh, here and in third-world countries, and uh, hundreds of churches, millions of dollars worth of work that he, that he did and gave away millions to the work of the Lord. When I knew Russell Anderson, I'm going to tell you, he's just like anybody else. Some of the, the most uh, prominent people you ever meet are just down-to-earth people. And we sat on, on two boards uh, together, and boy, was that an unlikely duel. But um, I remember sitting down 
uh, in Jeff Fugate's church in his conference room. And we had the, the BB Evangelistic Association board meeting, of which Russell Anderson was a board member and I was an officer. And uh, we were there with Mrs. BB after uh, Dr. Wally BB had passed. And so we were there. And that whole meeting, Jeff Fugate had to gavel us several times because between Russell Anderson and myself, uh, every once in a while we'd, we'd crack a joke, and they're just corny jokes, but got everybody, kept everybody laughing and everybody smiling. And, and Jeff Fugate looked at me and said, Brother Winnegar, I believe the spirit of Wally Beebe is upon you. And uh, that was a compliment. But Russell Anderson and I had a good time. Uh, he, uh, he had some of the corniest jokes ever, ever. But the man was a tireless worker. And even, I mean, at 90 years of age, he was still out there preaching and doing it. And he had that work ethic. My father, my father lived to be 89 and a half. Tremendous work ethic. On the day he died, he, uh, though he had uh, the, the uh, results of paralysis due to uh, several strokes that he had, uh, he had a walker. And he was up on the platform of my brother's church. He led the singing, led the choir. He taught Sunday school on the last day of his life. Tremendous work ethic. And who do you think inherited that? I, I'm so glad for those that have gone before. That work ethic doesn't change because we wait on the Lord. The, the fact that we burn energy and we work hard, and uh, some of you are more detail-oriented than I. I am a concept person. That's not my excuse for being sloppy. It's just I'm a concept person, and I can be very neat as well. But uh, there are some people with such an eye and an obsession with detail, everything has to be lined up. These are the people that when they are with you, they will straighten your coffee cup, or they will straighten your, you know, whatever you did, they'll redo your work for you. But um, God wired all of us differently. And yet he doesn't want us to stop doing what we're doing just because we don't get the prayer or the request that we've made of him, the desire of our heart in the time that we want, in the way that we want. God wants us to keep on keeping on. So uh, whoever is busy and, and is uh, a hard worker and has good work ethics, and God wants you to keep on doing that. But he wants you not to become frustrated with the fact that the answer to the specific request that you have and that I have hasn't come to pass yet. It will. Why? Because God keeps His promises. Turn over to Lamentations. Lamentations of Jeremiah. Lamentation, little teeny book at the end of Jeremiah. And chapter number three. There are five elegies, five chapters. And the middle chapter, chapter three, is twice as long as the other four. But in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 26, it says, It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. And then the next verse said, It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Now, which one's right? They're both right. We bear the yoke. We, we learn a, a good disciplined system of service for God and man. But we wait patiently for the Lord. That is very, very important. We hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Someone has said, here it is, 
and you like to connect the dots, let me connect the dots for you. God makes a promise. Where does he promise it? He said, oh, he promised it in my heart. No, no, no. You better get it in the Bible, okay? Get it in the Bible. Because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. It'll mess you up if you say, oh, God promised me in my heart. Only if he said it in his word. Those are the boundaries. So find God's promises, identify them, pray over them. The Holy Spirit will give you confirmation that you can claim that in its context. And then you just say, Lord, I'm going to leave it with you. And that's what it means to wait on the Lord. So God makes the promise. Is God going to keep his end? Yes, he is. If he's God, he will. And you and I need to trust God for who he is. And as he demonstrates who he is and how he is with us. That builds our faith. So God makes a promise in the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the what? The word of God. All right, so God makes a promise. Now connect the dots. Faith believes it. I read it because it's in context and the Holy Spirit moves in my heart, confirms it. I believe it. Now when we believe it, it isn't just some disconnected concept. We need, in faith, to act upon it as if we already have it. That's the trusting, the Old Testament understanding of faith. You see, faith isn't just mental assent. Faith is getting out of the boat, Peter, and walking on the water. Faith is taking God at His word. One of my mentors used to preach this way. He said, uh, faith is is rolling up your sleeves and getting greasy up and down your hands and your forearms. I mean, that's faith. It's really putting the Lord to the test. So God makes a promise, and we begin to act upon it. Now, some people stop acting upon it because it's all greasy, or it's messy, or it's tiring. How many of you have had a long, weary day? And it's just, you know, it's about time to go home and prop your feet up and, and take your shoes off and just relax a little bit. And, and that's understandable. But there's going to be another sunrise. There's going to be another day. There's going to be uh, another course to run. There's going to be uh, another uh, acting out, uh, faithing out the thing that God has said in His Word. So keep on. And how long should you do that? As long as you breathe long as you've got a pulse, or until God says don't. I mean, it's just that simple. We need to trust in the Lord. We need to trust in His Word. We need to be people of the book, not people uh, that are spoiled, you know, children that are spoiled, and we only do what we get our way in. We need to keep on keeping on. We need to continue on for God. So God makes a promise. Faith believes it. Now here's number three. Hope anticipates it. In the Bible, when we find hope, hope is not as we would use hope as a verb. I hope it doesn't rain, or I hope it does. That's a verb. But you say, my hope, my hope, my foundation, what I'm standing upon, what I'm depending on is my hope, anticipates that what God said in His Word 
and what I am believing continuously and practicing out, faithing out. I'm, I'm walking this out. I'm living this out. I am fully anticipating the fruition, the completion of that. God makes a promise. Faith believes it. Hope anticipates it. Patience quietly awaits it like we've read here in Lamentations. That's it. Patience quietly awaits it. The half-brother of Jesus, James, who wrote his little book, speaks about this business of patience or persistence. And uh, I'm looking at this right now. Book of James. It says in verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy. That's the way we're supposed to figure this and think about this. When you fall into divers or different temptations or tests, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, the trial of it, the, the things that come against it and seem to act in contrary fashion to it, uh, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. There you go. So, believing God, the promises of God, acting out upon it day after day, anticipating this solidly held to belief, that's hope, results with trials coming your way and patience quietly awaiting the fulfillment of it. If we were to ask the one who waited patiently at the bedside until the eyes fluttered and opened as if a miracle and God restored to full health the one that was at death's door. If you were to ask the one who prayed until their voice was hoarse and their knees were raw and years and years, even decades later, their loved one came to God through Christ, they would say what the preacher is saying tonight is absolutely true. God makes a promise, faith believes it, acts upon it, hope anticipates it, patient, patience tried and tried and tried and tried, quietly awaits it. And then when it happens, we're connecting the dots. This is what God wants. God wants us to broadcast it. God wants us to testify that this whole thing of faith really does work. Really does work. And Charity shares it with others. Charity testifies that God brought us through. Charity, agape love, says, I trusted God. God came through. It took weeks, months, years, decades. But God answered. I didn't give up. I didn't quit. He gave me grace. He provided the grace. And I kept on keeping on. And ultimately... God granted His perfect will. And I submit to it. I accepted it. And now I'm telling the world that there is a God who speaks and we listen and we respond. That's how faith works. You open up your Bible and you acknowledge that God's in control. You open up your Bible and you pray back 
the words that God has given by inspiration and preservation. And you say, Lord, we acknowledge you in all of our ways. We depend on you. We trust in you. We would not be floating if we weren't on you. We, we're, we're depending on you. While we're doing this, we're continuously serving on in other areas, even though we haven't gotten the, uh, the fulfillment of our request, you've strengthened us. You strengthen us day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour. And we want to be quiet about this whole business, but it's really hard for us. And so we know that you're going to work this and work this and work this until we're able to quietly and patiently wait uh, we'll wake up some morning and we'll realize we're not worrying about this. We're not fearful. We're used to trusting the Lord with all our heart and not leaning unto our own understanding. We've, we've gotten into this godly routine of this faith process. And it is what God works in, that process. That's it. We, we don't like the process. It's painful. It hurts. And while we're doing this, we're submitting to God. So that means we're obeying His commands. That means He's saying, uh, don't go here. Stay, stay on the straight and narrow. Don't run with that crowd. Don't engage in that sinful, that fleshly activity. Just because you're weak, you want to just go out and let loose. Don't do that. Keep on keeping on. Expect God to answer. Someone has wisely said, if you're going to pray and really mean business with God, if you're going to pray for rain, you better take an umbrella. You better really, really mean it. Mean business. Because that's the kind of God we serve. We're waiting on Him. We're not doing that do-nothing, excuse-away kind of thing. We're not going to cease from useful service and the blessings that come with it. When in the Old Testament we read about faith, it has to do with dependence on the Lord. We, we count on Him. He's our, as we saw in Psalm 62, He's our defense. He's our defense. We depend on Him. That's, that's the Old Testament side. The New Testament side is not only is He our defense, but He is our deliverer. And guess who's coming for you and me? Guess who's going to take us out of this world? But He doesn't want us to get over in the corner and feel sorry for ourselves. He wants us to serve on. He wants us to get up tomorrow, put one foot in front of another. He wants us to witness. He wants us to, to keep a smile on our face, keep a positive spirit, read the Word, trust God, live godly, until he calls us home. Now, all those folks that are over in the corner and doing nothing, you know, they're kind of like the folks back in the 1840s when, uh, when Pastor Miller said, Jesus is coming on such and such a date in 1843, 1844, whatever, and everybody sold their farms and they put on white robes, sheets, and got out on the mountain and waited for Jesus to come and didn't come, and they called it the Great Disappointment. Out of that came Seventh-day Adventism. So a cult got started because somebody said, oh, he did come, but he just came to the 
heavenly temple and started investigative judgment. And that whole cult started as a result of those people having the wrong idea. Jesus is coming, but we don't sell the farm and wrap up in sheets and get out on the hillside and wait for the Lord. Uh, the, the modern equivalent, you know, there are people who have just given up on everything. While we don't invest our hope and our trust in anything of this world because it's transient, God is working in and through His people in this world for His glory. That's His will. And we need to be confident that, that in the end we win. And in the end, He's coming for us. And so we depend on Him as our defense. We look for Him as our deliverer. He is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Looking for that blessed hope, the Scripture says. Jesus is coming again. And because of that, we trust Him God promised. We know He's coming. We believe it. We act upon it. We anticipate it. We quietly await it. We share it with others. Jesus is the only way to heaven. You need to be saved the Bible way. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you tonight would say, Preacher, something in that message resonated with me and spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Come on. Something spoke to my heart. Amen. What are we going to do about it, folks? We need to tell others. And I'm glad for each and every one who was here and those that viewed it online. We need to, to go with it now and tell everyone, tell our neighbor, tell our friend, tell, tell our co-worker, tell our loved ones that Jesus is coming. God's promises are absolutely true. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray right now and ask Jesus to come in your heart Something like this. Dear God, I admit I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer, won't you come?
the Lord.